0: The Show me the money, baby. Boy, josh frost. and we're here with episode two of shooting the bull we have an absolute treat for y'all today we got josh frost with us um we could read this guy's resume but uh, i told him i get him out of here in about an hour so we're not going to get it all but we're going to hit some highlights um currently sitting second in the world three-time nfr qualifier um year in year out he's a world champion contender he's a linderman award winner um all-around cowboy and uh we're happy to have him here today so we're going to start off with some questions um <laughs> Going back in any era, five Bulls, what are your dream matchups?
1: Uh, uh, tough question. That, you know, <laughs> start started been, off rough, <laughs> Yeah, we? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of really good Bulls. But, uh, I mean, obviously the stock start, started off, I think, you know, getting on Red Rock would be cool. Um, probably could throw Mo- Mossy Oak Mud Slinger in there. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd like to get on chicken on a chain. He was a really cool bull. Um, kind of think I probably could have run bodacious too, you know, a lot of up and down. And I think that fits my style really good. And then, uh, one more, one more. I mean, I'll, put it into this area, I would like to get on Wupa.
0: Okay. So, well, they just retired him. And that would have been a good one to watch, I'll tell you. Um, but all right. So with those five bulls, we're all over the board. You got big, strong, soggy suckers on one end, and then you got those little quick electric ones, you know? So like, is there not a certain bull that you like to get on to fit your style or or, I, do, you, or do your style kind of fit them all? I, I, guess? I, I
1: would say that's probably one of the, one of my stronger points as a bull rider. I feel like I can change my style to fit every type of bull. You know, I uh, there's been points and times in my career where I feel like I ride a certain style better than others, but then I'll look back and I'm like, oh man, I'm struggling with these little fast bulls, and so I'll work on that. And it's got to where now, like I, I feel like every type of bull, I can adjust my style to be able to fit it.
0: And that's and that's something I think it goes back to you know how solid your foundation and basics are is that that adjustment is probably easy for you, you know, no matter what kind of draw you get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I call it a micro adjustment, you know, like when I look at a bull or see a video of it, I can, you know, make a micro adjustment of where, okay, like this bull's front end isn't going to come up as much. He's going to be a little quicker. I'm going to need to be a little more focused on getting my hips down and keeping my chest up, keeping my chest out. He's going to be easier to get to the front on. Whereas you get on a Big, strong, stout bull with a lot of up and down. I'm going to be focused more on. Okay, I just need to be be getting forwards more. It's going to be harder to get to the front on this bull and making just it's a little little, little flip the switch in my mind to adjust. To this is going to this is going to help me ride this bull and it seems to work pretty good most of the time. Yes,
0: sir. All right. Um, another one. What are your favorite rodeos of the year? You know, like top two or three, the ones that like no matter what, whether your brother's getting married or kids being. Which one rodeos are you not going to miss?
1: <laughs> uh. I, I love the winter rodeos in Texas. Um, Houston, San Antonio have always been really good to me. And then, you know, Cheyenne, Pendleton are right up there too. You know, it's a, I guess for me, part of it is the legacy and the legend of some of them rodeos. Like those are, those are the ones as a little kid, you dream of winning. And, you know, to get, I haven't, haven't won very, a lot of the big summer rodeos yet, but I've done well at them, but. Dang sure on the bucket list is to get that Pendleton buckle, Cheyenne buckle, um, and then it's hard to beat the winter rodeos because you get to get you get to get on a pile of bulls and they pay you really good.
0: Yes, sir. And um, this third one, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait till the end for that one because I'm I, I'm interested to hear about that. So um, let's go to the start. You know, whenever like I mean, obviously it's a family tradition of yours to rodeo, but when did it become? kind of a, a priority of yours like when did y'all really start diving in and taking rodeo seriously? at what age kind of
1: I would probably say probably not tell my senior year of high school honestly I, I grew up rodeoing like that was just that was just what we did you know my, my dad was a bull rider so as a little kid I wanted to ride bulls seeing pictures of my dad you know my brother was riding calves and so it was you know, that was, that was what we did as a family activity. We had an arena right out in the front yard and we went out and practiced, but growing up, you know, I was roping calves, team roping, steer wrestling, riding bulls, rode some bucking horses too. And so it was a good all around cowboy bull riding was probably my favorite event, primarily because it was my best event, but I wouldn't say I took it super serious yet either. You know, we, uh, it, it was the one I won the most at, so it became my favorite, and I was lucky enough growing up that we had some practice bulls, and especially with the calves and steers, you know, we'd get on a pile of bucking calves, bucking steers, and as we moved up to the bulls, we would got practice bulls, and so that probably gave me an edge over some of the other guys because, is you know, I had a good place to practice. But I wouldn't really say, I'd, I mean, I used to dread, I used to dread getting on practice bulls. Like I love getting on at the rodeo because there was the adrenaline and everybody thought it was cool when you won. you know, if you stayed on your bull. So it was a little easier for me to get into that mindset of, okay, I'm going to go ride this bull. Whereas I probably didn't appreciate the opportunities I had in the practice pen because it was, um, dad said we had to practice if we wanted to go to the rodeo. And then my senior year of high school, it was obviously getting closer to getting able to go. You know, buy my permit but my senior year I actually the calf roping started taking off I really was working hard with the calf roping was winning more in the calf roping than I was in the bull riding and the spring of my senior year I think I went I don't know if I stayed on a bull at a high school rodeo all spring and I was winning first at the calf roping every weekend and <clears throat> graduated high school turned 18 right after the um, high school state finals and <clears throat> I said I was I'd made it to st- i made it to nationals in the bull riding but hadn't been riding bulls very good. My dad bought me my permit for my birthday and he said, Hey, like I know you can ride bulls good enough to do it. You gotta at least buy your permit and go enter a few and
0: Well I'm glad he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily you didn't give up on the bull riding. Yeah. <laughs> um so like in high school you said you didn't really take it like get too serious about your eighteen, did you like play any high school sports or
1: I, I read like I said, wrestling was probably my the the wrestling was the only sport I did do, you know, and being in Utah, we'd get a lot of snow. So March to November, we were full rodeo. And then once the last high school rodeo got in November, and then we were full blown wrestling season for three months. And then once it warmed back up, we got back into rodeo.
0: That's what um, your brother told me. He went to college wrestle. Was that an option for you?
1: Uh, I didn't love it quite as much as my little brother did. (laughs) Um, I was pretty good, but Jake was definitely better and, by the time I was probably like I said junior, senior in high school, the rodeo had started taking off a little more to where I could see the could see the future with rodeo and my little brother, he he didn't really he, he rodeoed and liked it, but he had way more success in the re, wrestling. So his senior year, I mean he was two time state champ. He had all the college coaches recruiting him and so he was like, Hey, maybe maybe wrestling's the place for me and so he signs up to go to go wrestling to college and then he proceeds to win probably 15,000 on his permit that summer in the bull ride. And then all of a sudden he's like, man, this rodeo is a lot cooler than wrestling.
0: <laughs> um, so with um, the wrestling and everything, like, who, what's the pecking order like between you three? Like, you know, Thanksgiving, there's a little smack talk, you know, what happened? It,
1: uh, it's pretty funny because Joe is, uh, Joe is bigger than all of us. Um, he's six foot, 180, 185. And, so growing up forever, he could just throttle us. Me, Jay, like Joe just beat the crud out of us every chance he got. And, but he only wrestled through his freshman year of high school. He got hurt every year after that. So skill wise, he's the worst wrestler. And about the time I got to call, once I graduated high school, I was, he was still bigger than me, but I was a better wrestler than him. And so we, we've had some pretty good smackdowns. and I've came on to, I've, I've beat him several times, which he ha- doesn't like it when that happens. But um, him and Jake—that's that's the one that gets sketchy because Jake's a little bigger, th- not as big as Joe, but Jake's hand his hands down the best wrestler. And I've seen him throttled. You know, he's whooped Joe's butt pretty good several times. And then
0: he's got that little brother mentality, you know, something to prove oh, all yeah, the time. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He'll be. He'll, and joe don't take it well joe will be laying on the ground you know jade's got him in a chokehold, about to put him to sleep and joe's just cussing him telling him how he's going to kick his butt and we're like joe you better shut up jade's about to <laughs> put you out
0: oh man okay so you know like you so what then um uh, you went in college rodeo to tell us about you know your kind of college experience
1: uh i went to panhandle state in Goodwell, oklahoma Uh my brought um, that's where my older brother went. So kind of got recruited in cause he was there, but, uh, I loved college rodeo, I had a great college rodeo coach. Uh, Robert Atbauer was a coach and I said, I was working both ends of the arena, roping calves and riding bulls. And they were really good at not just specifying in one thing. You had the opportunity to rope calves, steer, wrestle, team rope, get on practice bulls and, um, Dang sure helped helped me with my career a bunch. And Robert, super old school, you know, two time world champion in the Bronx riding, but just had a very cowboy mentality, you know, show up, put out 100% effort. And if you're working, you know, if you worked hard, you were going to win. And that was the biggest thing I learned from him is put in the time and the results will show in the arena if you're working hard at the house.
0: So, how hard were you pro rodeo and during college? Mm
1: -hmm. Pretty hard. I, uh, my, the I didn't I didn't buy my rookie year till my junior year of college and so the first year I was just going to the stuff that was closer and then was going back and forth the last couple years and I do think I maybe would have made the NFR a year or two earlier if I wouldn't have went to college because I I did take college pretty serious my parents had really drilled that in my head that you got an opportunity to have your college paid for because of rodeo and you need to get that degree and so while most guys would be at the rodeo and stay there, go to the one that was close the next couple of days, I'd be driving back to Goodwill to get to class for three or four days. And um, like lo- looking back now, I think if I would have just fully committed to riding bulls, I maybe could have made it a little quicker just because the college did pull my mental game away from rodeo a little bit, trying to make that a priority. But uh, the lessons I learned there, I wouldn't trade them for anything.
0: So we talked last night at the restaurant. Um, you said that there was a point, where you fell off 40 something bulls in a row. Was that during college or was that right out or
1: that would have been my, that would have been the year, right. The year right after I graduated.
0: Okay. So going into that, um, what's the, what's the mentality because obviously we've seen the success that's come from that. And you know, this might be an inspiration to another guy out there that's really struggling, but like what's the mentality like when you're going through that and then coming out of it,
1: you know, it's, uh, it's very frustrating. Um, which Joe always tells me all the time. He's like, you're, you're way more mentally tough than me because if I'd ever had the stint of bucking off as many bulls as you, said, I would have quit. But uh, that was, said 2017. Said so I think I would finished college that year. And crack, I was in the top 15 about Reno. And then a couple guys started passing me. I started panicking. And I think I stayed on a bull like July 30th at Preston, Idaho. And then just couldn't make the whistle. I mean, I kind of quit counting, but i went back and looked and I think by the end of it, I'd bucked off probably 35 bulls in a row at a rodeo. And, um, but it was at that point too, like I loved bull riding. I knew that was, you know, what God put me on this earth to do. And I was super passionate about it. And I just, I knew I could ride him. It was just a matter of figuring out well, you know, figuring out the mental game to let myself be successful and, um, Went and spent a week at Gary LeFuse's house in October of that year. He helped me with a bunch of stuff. Went home and really worked on all that. And then uh, we went to, uh, it was still, I buck off streak started in August. And like I said, I bucked off all three Bulls at the circuit finals that year. Went to the Chase Hawks, bucked off there. And then I went to a CBR in January and made the whistle there. And that kind of was like holy cow, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah I mean,
0: because like you, you said, you cracked the top 15. So, you know you have the abilities to get here. So, at that point, you know, there was something wrong with the, you know, in, in between your ears. What what was it that you ended up figuring out that you changed to kind of come out of that?
1: Honestly, just making it about the bull riding. Like, you, I'm sure a lot of guys can relate for this. But, I mean, the, the dream, the goal is to make that NFR. And it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And that's what I didn't ever realize was, you know, I'd start the year off good. And, be riding bulls, and you know, come that fourth of July run, all of a sudden people are winning a bunch of money, and you might buck off a couple, and all of a sudden you go from 10th in the world to 20th in the world, and that you, you know, it just would freak me out. And so, all of a sudden, I start trying, hard. so worried about making the NFR and so worried about what the other guys were doing that I wasn't just relaxing and realizing all oh, my jobs to ride the bull, that's the only thing I can control. And once I started letting go of the results and let not worrying about what everybody else was doing and just riding bulls because I love it. And, um, you know, it's 365, 365 day season from October 1st to September 30th. And you've got all that time to make the NFR and there's no point in time during the season where you've ever really got it cinched up. And once I did like, that was my big deal. When I made it in 2019, I just said, I'm going to, I'd never rodeoed a full year every year when I'd start falling behind. I'd get hurt in August because I was hanging off the side of bulls, trying too hard and not riding like I did the first six months of the season. And so 2019, that was literally my goal was stay healthy all year and I'm just going to finish the rodeo season and I know I'll make the NFR. And that was exactly what happened.
0: So you think the like, problem might have been like <clears throat> back then, you know, is you were – like you said, you're in July, looking ahead a little too much. You know, instead of focusing like, hey, we're in July, let's ride bulls now, you're kind of focusing ahead oh, yeah. like, what's that, that cutoff, you know, <laughs> and looking ahead a little too much.
1: Oh, yeah, it was – and that's the – I mean, there's still a pile of rodeo from uh, all the money's won in August and September. You see it every year, the, the top 50 – usually the top 15 to top 20 after August and September that, you know, there will be a 25000 $30,000 gap from them to the other guys. And that's because those are the guys that just keep riding bulls all year long. It's, that's what I said. It's it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And you're gonna have bad weeks and bad months, but if you can stay focused and keep doing the things you're good at through the course of the whole season, it's very realistic that anybody can make the NFR.
0: And um, so kind of like while we're we're still on the mental game is um, what's like, what do you do kind of, or what's your mental process? Or do you have one like whenever, you know, from the time you show up to a rodeo and, you know, hang your rope to the time you nod, what's kind of going through your head? Do you like to, you know, stay laid back and giggle and laugh? Or do you like to, you know, stay yourself? Like what is that like for you?
1: I I like to stay laid back. You know, I, uh, a lot of it comes from the, there's nothing you can do once you got to the rodeo that's going to at least technique wise and stuff that's going to help you ride that bull. And so, I've done all the work the last 27 years of my life to where I've got the skills to make the whistle on any bull out there. The ma- the big deal is is getting in that right mindset. And you can only keep that intensity for so long too. So, you know, I don't I don't need 3 hours to be over there in the corner getting my motor running and that's the thing I found is the best I get there, have fun get my rope out rosin up and then sit there and talk with the guys and enjoy being at the rodeo watch some of the other events and just have fun and then about the time that um about the time I strap my spurs on is when I really start trying to get into that zone the zone killer mindset start get really getting my mind on it and um which I probably get ready later than a lot of guys just from my you know get on a lot of practice bulls when I practice at the house I warm up, put my groin wrap on, put my spurs on, and I go and put my rope on the bull and ride. And so I try to do that at the rodeo too to time it to where, be out there talking, and a lot of the times they'll be on the tie-down rope in her barrels, and my bull might be loaded, and I'm just finishing my warm-up because I want to get done warming up, put my spurs on, and I'm going to go out there and put my rope on and be ready to nod my head within three, four minutes.
0: I've not noticed that at Fort Worth. Like <clears throat> we, we were all leaving like, we had our chaps on and walking out, and you're over there still stretching, putting your groin wraps on and stuff, and I was like, dang, you know. I, like, I mean, obviously he knows what he's doing, but that, it's a little different, and it's interesting to hear that. Um, I heard the other day, I seen the video and heard it. They had him, Cole Reiner, mocked up at that American qualifier, and he's in the bucking shoot, and he's just telling himself, you know, strong mark out, fast feet, over and over, strong mark out, fast feet. What are, What's kind of going through your head when you're in the box and, you know.
1: My thing is, is I, have, I have a couple focus words I use, which similar, no different than what Cole was doing there. For me, it's knees and chest. And so, like, I'm in the chute, warm my rope up. And, and if I ever get stuck, like, while well, I'm back there waiting to get on the bull. I'll kind of be not necessarily be visualizing the ride, but I'll really be building the intensity in my mind and keeping the heart rate up and sometimes deep breathing if I need to bring it down a little bit. But that's my, like, that is what I'm thinking in the chute is knees and chest. Like, I, I get my wrap. And I slide up there, and that is literally what goes through my mind. It's knees and chest like it's your effing job. And when I actually squeeze my knees, stick my chest out, it seems like it flips that switch and helps me get into the zone. And when I say, like, the micro-adjustments, I always do that. And then there's certain days, like, when the gate opens, I'll think, you know, if I haven't been getting to the front good, I'll tell myself to drive. When I say that when the gate opens, it just flips a switch, and I ride the front end really good. And other day, you know, there's times I've thought, be strong, which for me means like, be strong with that body position. Keep you know because the bull is going to try to get me out of position. My job's to stay in position, and then lately I just try to be ready when the as stupid as it sounds, be ready when the gate opens. Like I squeeze my knees, stick my chest out, and then I'm just everything's wired and ready to go to pick up that bull's timing that first jump
0: yeah that, that first jump is really you know obviously it's keep vital um Corey McFadden told me one time he was like, like get you a good start you know and he kept well, he's practicing out there and it's just like he repetitively said it and I finally at, you know after practice I was like why are you saying it so much he's like well Riley he's like it don't matter if you're in a fist fight a foot race or riding bulls he's like whoever gets the best start got the best chance of winning <laughs> so um You said like flipping that switch, you know, it obviously like with your fundamentals and writing it, you know, you switch it, like you said, right. Whenever you, you know, go through your code words, but like, when does it come into the, like a physical, your body aspect, you know, you said you start getting your heart rate up, like your physical, when do you flip that switch? You'll see some guys, you know, they go slapping theirself right before they get in the box or, you know, like, when's yours?
1: I, I feel like mine's kind of a slow burn. Like it starts with my warm up. Like, so we're talking, having fun. And then it's like. I will talk to people if they talk to me when I'm warming up, but like once I start start doing my warm up, I slowly start pulling away from everybody else and just slowly start building that intensity so that when I climb a more bit more or less building the intensity to the point when that chute gate opens. And like I said, it's kind of a slow climb, but start it with the warm up, getting a little more intense when I go and put the rope on the bull. And then, you know, I can even, I can, i watch the other guys ride before I'm up, up until two or three. And then, you know, within a minute before, like I'm re- getting closer and closer to it. And then by the time I swing my leg over, like I'm dialed into what I'm about to go. Into.
0: Almost like that, you know, you're trying to get to that pinnacle of that between your nod and the whistle yep. going off. Um, so what about like your physical workouts? Like did you like you said, just practice bull, staying in bull rider shape, or do you hit the gym? Like what's your,
1: I, I hit the gym a bunch. I, uh, I started working with champion living in 2021 and I I feel like they do the best job for training rodeo athletes. I'd, I'd done some other work with some other trainers prior to that and probably had me working out too hard. And so that the biggest, and I I hit on it there in my year in 2019, the biggest thing with bull riding is staying healthy. If you can stay healthy, you can keep riding. More often than not guys get hurt because the, and you know, especially in the summer, you're getting on a bull every single day, sitting in the vehicle, driving, and learning the mobility stuff, learning the diet, learning how to learning how to keep my body feeling good to give myself a chance to win has been astronomical to my success. And they said, I, if you're, anybody's looking for something, I recommend Champion Living. They, they were all rodeo guys; they understand the sport, they understand you know what you need to do to be feeling to be strong, but also be mobile and um, help prevent injuries.
0: So um like, I mean going on is, or the chiseled um moment you talked with us last night you said when that flip switched, what was the moment like or other moments whenever like you go from being you know this NFR qualifier to the world champion contender you are now you know like is there, yeah, I see that you know there's guys that make the NFR but you look at those top guys and like they're in those contentions and obviously everybody that's there is talented but like the mindset of these guys up top. Like y'all, so like like when was those, when did that hit for you that you changed from just an NFR qualifier to a world champion contender?
1: Uh, the 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 biggest moment for me was 2020. I'd had a uh you know, you say you want to you know I the goal was to be a world champion, but I honestly didn't believe it until 2020. I mean 2019, like it's hard to see yourself as a world champion when you've never made the NFR before. But that you know they always say, oh if you have a goal to be a world champion, make it the NFR should be easy, but deep down, where I'd, you know, never finished high. You know, I was a top 30 guy, but still hadn't made the NFR. Getting the, getting the NFR the first time, that was a big accomplishment. And then coming to 2020 and got hurt, missed part of the season, came back, struggled a little bit. Well, August and September, shoot, I rode, rode a bunch of bulls. I think I rode about 75% from the second week in August to the end of September in 2020. And that was the first time in my career that I kind of rode at a world champion level for a two month period. And so that had, that really boosted my confidence to where, Hey, like this world champion goal is attainable because if I can do it for two months, I can do it for eight months and that kind of flipped the switch. And then we roll around, make the NFR sit in top five in the world in 2021 and start the NFR off. A little, like I said, after bu- I bucked off all 10 bulls in 2019 and, we were all in there in 2021, first night, like, big chip on my shoulder. We got the spinner pin out. I'm like, I just need to – if I can just get this first full road, like, it'll be okay. Get bucked off that first night, and I am I left the locker room. I hated Vegas. I mean, it's the first night of the NFL, like, and I'm I'm ready to go home. I'm like, I don't know why anybody likes this place. And um, kind of g- probably had a little bit of a bigger pity party than a guy should have been having – after the first night, they bucked me off the second night, but I would kind of had my thoughts together by then. I'm like, okay, like build momentum, learn from it, excited. And I rode that bull the third night. And at this point, Parker Redding had been riding really good. And so when I rode that bull the first I mean, when I stayed on at that first in 2021, like I could have bucked off the rest of the bulls and I was going to be happy because making the whistle on one bull made that week already better than the first year I was at the NFR. And so then, but I really wasn't, wasn't in the average. I was just happy to get the whistle, make the whistle. And it took the weight off my shoulders and I was just having fun after that. And they bucked me off the fourth bull at 7.9 seconds. And then I just proceeded to knock them down bull after bull after bull after bull and roll into the 10th round. And if Parker bucked off and I stayed on, I was going to win the average and to end up winning the average. So then that was a huge Huge boost in the confidence to be there at the NFR, going from bucking off all 10 bulls to winning the average, and then came up reserve world champion. Um, if look, looking back now, if Sage would have bucked off that bull in the 10th round, I would have been the world champion in 2021, which is a testament for him. Like, that's what champions do. They ride the bull when they need to, and he showed out and did his job. But um, So that was another flip the switch, like, hey, like, I could really do this, and then 2022 rolls around and pushed hard, came up a little short again, but it uh, dang sure through those experiences flipped that switch to um, put myself in contention. Like, you know, the goal isn't to make the NFR. The goal is to be a world champion, and there's dang sure a different level from 15th to 1st.
0: Like you said, like you've, you've been close, but like you've not only proved to yourself, but the entire world, like, hey, like it's only a matter of time now. Josh Frost is going there. He's doing that. Um, you talked about Sage and um, you've traveled with him. Um, what's the relationship like there, you know, between traveling partner, best friend, but also, you know, y'all are t- the two guys competing for the one prize.
1: You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. We uh, We talked about it a lot, like when we first took off that year. In twenty, You know, I, I was friends with Sage before that, but, like, never would have dream that I would have rodeoed with him. And when 2021 came around, Stetson had beat him for the world in 2020. And, you know, Sage is a winner. And so he was very hungry to get it again, but he knew he needed a traveling partner that was going to want to go. And so he had seen, I mean, I went to every rodeo they had. And, like I said, I, goal was to be a world champion. And I was, if they had it, I entered it and was going to go ride a bull and <clears throat> I think that's what attracted him to me was he seen that I was hungry for it and knew that having me in the rig was going to help him stay out there all summer and stay hungry for it. And so we took off and wasn't sure. You never know how it is when you hop in with somebody you've never traveled with before. And Heck, we clicked really well and got along really good. And and, um, he's probably the most competitive person I've ever been around, which helped me for the fact, you know, I'm sure all you guys out there rodeoing can relate like almost all of us are competitive, but when you're, when you're going to 125 rodeos a year, you can easily lose that competitive drive of wanting to win first every time you show up. And that's the one thing Sage had was whether he's at Rock Springs, Wyoming or the NFR, like that's what gets him off is winning first place. And that really helped me switch my, you know, change the mental shift of just wanting to stay on to we're here to win first place.
0: Yeah, you talked about that last night. You know, it was like sometimes, you know, you got to amp yourself up a little bit more, you know, if you're at that $1,000 added rodeo and you got to dial it down when you're in those big heated moments. How do you kind of approach that, you know? You know what I'm saying?
1: Yep. Yeah, it's just that kind of goes right in into with the win in first place. You know, whether you're at $1,000 added rodeo or the biggest one in the country, like, nobody shows no, – nobody wants to win second place, like <coughs> – even, like I said, you show up to trying to think of Magnolia, Arkansas, like it's going to be cool if you win first. And that's a winning first to any PRCA rodeo is a good goal to have. And so that's part of something that makes me excited looking back through my stats from last year is what's trying to, you know, win in first place is really cool. And so that's what, that's what makes it fun. And that's one of the things that helps motivate me. When I'm not excited as excited to be at a rodeo, or if it's a smaller rodeo I've entered at the end of the day, like, you know, when I was six years old, I was super competitive in everything I did. And it's easy to lose that competitive drive when you're going to so many rodeos, but if you can tap into that, that's the thing that can help make you excited because the basic competition is me against the bull and then sometimes that extra drive and excitement factor could be, hey, like, I want to win this sucker.
0: Okay, so tell me, and this is something that I can never wrap my head around, but it—it's it, rodeo's the most or the best example of it. How do you, with your one goal, is to be first, but then you can go and cheer for your buddy and want him to win first?
1: <laughs> I think it's just part of the, especially like the traveling and partner deal, like, and some people have a different, some people handle it different, but like for me, like the guys in the rig, like we're a team, we're a family, and <laughs> it makes it makes rodeoing with them funner. Sorry, I need to...
0: Hold no, you're, you're fine. You're fine. Got you talking too much. You yeah. usually, usually don't talk this much.
1: Um, it, may, it It's a lot funner when you're rodeoing in a rig of guys that everybody's winning. And, and so if you're the only guy staying on and all your traveling partners are bucking off all summer, it doesn't make it very much fun. And it uh, And I said it earlier, too. Like, at the end of the day, it's really us against the bull. And so I do want to be 90 and... I'm not going to be mad if my traveling partner's 89, but at the end, there's there's enough money to go around for everybody, and we're all trying to make a living and trying to feed our family, and so it's still exciting when you see your buddies do good, because I love it. I love it when I see my friends ride a ranked bull, because like I said, at the fundamental of this sport, it is us against the bull, and so... I would just assume we show up and write 10 out of 10 and make that stock contractor look really sweet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, everything's contagious, you know, whether it's a negative attitude or if it's everybody winning, you know, your crew, your, your rig winning, you know, everything stays contagious. <clears throat> so going in, looking ahead now, we talked a little bit about it last night too, is um, the PBR teams are coming up, you know, that they got that draft coming up and that's something you told me you're interested in. Tell, tell the people, you know, kind of what your thoughts are on this process.
1: Uh, I think, I mean, I'm not going to say it's the future of the sport of bull riding, but with the stuff I've been hearing, and if the if if it goes the way the PBR's wanting, the goal is for bull riders to make more money, which I'm a huge fan of. <clears throat> and so, I I think what we do is unreal, and I think we should be getting played paid as much as NFL players. And so, I know that's their goal behind it is try to get it set up to where it can work we're getting guaranteed a million dollars before we even nod our head. And for how dangerous the sport is, I think it, uh, they're on the right track with it. It's, I don't think it's there money wise yet, but I think it's something that the bull riders should be supporting. And, um, like I said, that the, the goal behind it is for bull riders to make more money and to grow the sport. And I think it's something that, uh, that's part of the reason I'm wanting to do it this year is to support it and, um, see where it goes. And, Part of the part of the appeal too like I already want you know used to going with guys and having traveling partners and the cool part about the team still is is I legitly want my traveling partner to be more points than me like if I'm 89 I hope you're 90 because all that's going to do is help us both win more money
0: yeah it makes it a lot easier to share for somebody <laughs> else yep. what up uh, so like what's the I mean I guess that kind of answers my question if me if you can elaborate a little more the whole deal of rodeo your entire life up to this point. Has been a you know like all you care about and worry about is you, but then now it's a team aspect where not only are you cheering for other guys, but you're kind of relying on other guys. And what's that like? You've you know up to this point you've never had to rely on anybody but your yourself and your abilities.
1: I I think i you know it's kind of hard to hard to elaborate on because I haven't done it yet, but uh, I think I think it you've, you I mean I watched it very closely last year, and I feel like all the guys rode better and. I can, I would even relay the team deal similar to wrestling. Like it's an individual sport, but it's also a team sport. And so you practicing with your team and working hard together in order for your team to win, all your teammates need to win also. And I feel like the bull, the teams with the bull riding is the same way. Like you're bringing each other up, you're working hard together. I need to stay on to help the team and you need to stay on to help the team too. And I feel like it's a very interesting dynamic and, I think you dang sure seen all the guys putting out more effort at the team deal than I've seen when it's just an it. You know, not saying that there's a lot of guys that don't try very hard, but when you're only riding for yourself and all of a sudden you got a bull that you don't like, it can get easy to not put out that hundred and ten percent effort. But when you got four other guys relying on you to make the whistle, you've seen a lot more of the guys hanging on for that last two seconds to make the whistle and help the team win.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I guess it's a deal, if, you know, if you do get thrown off, you can go pout by yourself. But in this team deal, you're going to have a locker room full of buddies and yeah. teammates that are like, hey, man, you didn't put out that time. Yeah,
1: you got four guys that are like, hey, like, we would have won if you would have tried a little harder.
0: Do you Um, you got a certain team or coach that you'd really like to work mm-hmm. with, or are you kind of leaving that up for grabs right now? It,
1: it's kind of hard going through the draft just because I don't really know where I'm going to hit. Um it's pretty cool. All, I mean, all that you've seen, the coaches for the teams, they're all legendary bull riders that have a bunch of experience and knowledge. And so that's that's part of one of my other appeals for wanting to do it is that I think it's going to help my bull riding. You know, I've got good mentors and people that help me already, but, you know, all them guys that coach the teams are some of the greatest bull riders ever. And having those in your having those guys in your corner dang sure aren't going to hurt.
0: Yes, sir. <clears throat> all right, well, um, we're about to wrap it up. Like I said, I know you're busy and you got stuff to do, but that – Last question I wanted to ask you earlier is um you know if you could go back what would you at or what would you tell an eighteen year old Josh Frost for what's the best advice you could give an eighteen year old yourself?
1: Um, I you know I wouldn't really change anything I'd done when I was eighteen years old because I had a lot of fun. But probably the biggest thing I would say is treat bull riding like a job. You know, it's really especially when you're young and you get out here. Like there's so many guys that it's it is a very fun sport but you've only got a short limit of time to do it. And you see a lot of, and I did for quite a few years. I thought I was working hard, but I really wasn't just because, you know, you go ride your bull, go have a beer afterwards, go chase girls, have fun. And I look back now at all the things, you know, it was, I said, bull riding is a 20. Like we only ride for eight seconds, but when you start treating it like a real job, and if you start, if you start putting in 50 hours a week, working on your bull riding, your skill level is astronomically going to grow. And that was something that when I was 18 years old, like I'd go get on practice schools on Tuesday at the college and enter a few rodeos on the weekend, but I wasn't treating it like a full-time job. I was, you know, I was probably only working at it 10 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week. And that was one of the big switches I flipped when I, that really helped me get better was when I was, uh, I graduated from college with a teaching degree and, Actually, was teaching. I hadn't made the NFR. I was teaching school for three. I had a long term sub job, is what I got. And I remember working that first forty hour week, and my paycheck was like thirty five hundred dollars. I am like, man, that's that's pretty cool. And then that next weekend, I went to a bull ride, and I won like five thousand dollars. Like, <laughs> that's really cool. Son of a buck! Like forty hours is a lot of lot of hours to work to only make thirty five hundred bucks, and so that was awesome. I'm like, hey, like if I started treating bull riding way i have to treat this other job maybe i would win more and so started putting in the 40 hours a week and all of a sudden i was winning way more money
0: so you know uh you mean you said treat it like a job but is it necessarily like a work like a nine to five because you still you know got a Love it, but, you know, it's like where do you kind of draw that line between like nose of the grindstone hard work that we don't enjoy this, we just put in the work, to like, hey, this is what I love to do. is my dream.
1: Well, and that's I guess that's the cool part for – honestly, I feel like 90% of the guys in the sport is we honestly do love riding bulls, and you hear that a lot. You know, you're overthinking it, and, but you still got to think about it. You still got to crave it, and you got to make it fun. But also, at the end of the day, winning is fun. And so, if that means you got to go home and go to the gym every single day, get on practice bulls every single day, maybe not go out with your friends every single night, you're going to be putting in a lot more work and maybe be missing a few opportunities. But when you start riding 65, 70 percent of your bulls and you got 400 thousand in your bank account, I promise you, you're going to be having fun. Yeah, you ain't going
0: to mind that work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Josh man, I appreciate you coming on, taking the time today, to spend with us. Appreciate it.
1: You bet. It was great visiting with you.
0: Oh, and uh, real quick before we go, uh, y'all be sure to find Josh on social media so you can keep up with him. Um, y'all tune into the Cowboy Channel tonight. See him in San Angelo. And uh, bull riders, get you some frost and.